Parenting is work, like a lot of work, and it can be easy to feel like nobody understands. Well, I am here to tell you, as a mom of four, including infant twins, <laughs> that at the end of the day, we're all just figuring it out as we go. You are not alone. I'm Summer Shepherd, and this is, no, seriously, how do I do this? Welcome. Thanks for, for being here, for taking the time to just hang out. Man. I got to tell you, when I'm just hanging out, I rarely rest. Even when I'm just hanging out, I am planning. I'm a bit of a planner. Now, I'm not the most organized person in my life. I'm not any of that stuff, but I love to plan because it's creative. And so I don't know if you've ever done this, but I will sometimes sit and I will imagine my future and the future of my family and what I would like it to look like, the kinds of things I would like to do. And I paint this picture and I offer it up to God and I say, you know what, God, this would be, this should be a pretty cool outcome. And then I step back and I wait to see how he's going to blow it up into something better. Because the fact is, when you've lived as long as I have, <laughs> you start to realize that all those well-laid plans, I mean, it's kind of a joke, right? How often does he take that picture that we drew and he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is way better. This is way better than what I had planned for you. No problem. Yep, done. And he gives us exactly what we wanted the way we wanted it. Nah, he knows better. And it's so much better his way, isn't it? And so I had a chance recently while I was in Florida to sit down with Laura's story and to, well, hear her story <laughs> about how that's exactly what happened to her. The life that she ended up living was so far removed from the life that she thought she was going to have what God did in her marriage and in her children and in her music ministry, she would not have been able to point to that as the outcome that God was going to give her when she was younger. And yet now looking back, she wouldn't have it any other way. And so maybe you're in a season right now where you are struggling because you're like, I just, this is not what I thought was going to happen. Find courage that he is doing something in your life, in you and through you for the good of his kingdom. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I am just so excited to welcome to this week's episode, Laura's story. I am thrilled to officially meet you in person, and I am thrilled to be hanging out with you here in my hotel room in Florida. It's so much warmer <laughs> than where I'm from. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Spent the afternoon by the pool. That was really nice. Um, and so, I, as, you, as you're hanging out with me here, I want to get into your story, because I hear that you have quite a story. And I mean, literally, it's your name. So I wouldn't expect nothing less. But first, Laura, I want to I want to hear about you as a mom. So how many kids do you have? We got one yes. of them here hanging out. Yes, I got one. I always have one. But so I have an eight year old daughter and then twin six year olds and a three year old fellow twin. And mom. so yes, yes. So all <laughs> all the rest are boys. Just the oldest one is is um, the girl, but you mentioned having one tagging along with me. And that's one of the that's one of the sweet parts of our story. Sweet and messy and complicated parts <laughs> of, of our story is that uh, I I had Josie my first you know almost nine years ago, and I think I thought that career for me was slowing down a little bit, and it just happened that things began to pick up right around the time that I had Josie, and I remember saying to the Lord, okay, you're going to have to show me, like, I know that you're calling for me as a minister and as an artist. 
is not going to conflict with my calling to be a mom. So you're just going to have to show me what that looks like. I know that that you're leading. If you're leading me to this, um, me being a good artist is not going to be at the expense of me being a good mom. And so everything I've always done as an artist, as a speaker, has been with at least one tag along, usually, usually several. Oh, I love that. Do you ever get a chance to, or do you ever want to ever be like, I just want a time. I just want a time for me. And that's a great question because I, I definitely need that time mm-hmm. by myself. But usually when I'm traveling, I think it, it's because I've always done it this way. I've never done it by myself. I've always had a kid along with me. And, you know, it, also, it helps the mom guilt that I, mm-hmm. that I at least have one with mm-hmm. me. And, and it's always such a special time. And they're still at the age where they, they really love it. They love the adventure of it. They're like, are we taking an airplane? I'm like, yeah, we're taking an airplane. Whoa, an airplane. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of over it by now. <laughs> yes, we're taking another flight. Uh, but they love it. They love, um, you know, the hotel life. They love that I'll let them watch a little TV after we get in super late from, from an event. And it really is, it's such sweet time with each individual child. Because when you have four kids, it's hard to get individual time. Mm-hmm. You know what I found, especially with the twins, and you're talking about mom guilt, that's something we definitely talk about a lot here on this show. Yeah. Um, but I, I struggle a little bit because I feel like, all right, I want to bond with you. But as long as I'm bonding with you, I feel like I'm not bonding with you. And I feel like I'm showing favoritism. I can't hold both of you at the same time. Or if I do, it sometimes gets a little messy. And so sometimes I feel like I haven't bonded with either of them Mm -hmm. the same way that I bonded with my first two. And And that gets gets easier. I will say (laughs) that, or at least for me, it has. But I definitely remember when they were first born and I couldn't snuggle with them the same way that I did with my singles. And just really feeling... Man, I I just wish I wish I didn't have twins. I, I love both these boys. I wish I had them at different times. But as they're you know as they're growing, they're almost seven now, and the bond between them, mm-hmm. and even kind of letting myself off the hook. Like if I can't, you know, yes, spending the individual time, but when I can't spend individual time with them, like I'll sit down with because every now and then they'll be like, ah, oh, I can't. I wish I wasn't a twin. I have to share every, we share a room, we share a birthday. Everyone always calls us the wrong name and letting them like talk about it and saying, okay, but let's think about what you have. Like you have a built in friend for the rest of your life. You got, you don't have to be the same. And my two twin boys are like day and night different. I mean, one is, you know, one's the lover, one's the fighter. One's the like, you know, brings me flowers. The other one is the one that's like, socking his brother in the face you know like they're just so different uh but just showing them uh that they have this opportunity to just have this built-in friend for life and some days they appreciate that more than others (laughs) Mm, I can imagine and I love for you that they're so different because that was something in preparing before we knew whether we were having boys or girls we have one of each Mm. um was that competition you know and just the worrying about that and just never having done this before no seriously how do I do this this is a a weird and crazy ride yes and that that is tough because you know we'll have even right now one of them's reading a little bit better than the other sure but the other one is articulating his words better than so there's just and helping them understand that each of them has different strengths and weaknesses and they can actually help each other. Like it's not that one's smarter than the other. It's that they're weak in different areas and strong in different areas and that God 
kind of allowed them to be together, you know, so they can help each other in the areas they're weak. Oh, I love that. I'm, I'm going to probably be hitting you up and being like, Laura, oh, I'm at this on. new twin stage and I'm feeling lost. <laughs> and- but I got to tell you, so they started, they started kindergarten this past year and they, within the first week of school, they had, um, one of them had lied to his teacher about, he'd said he washed his hands when he hadn't washed his hands. And then they got a note sent home that they were fighting in the bathroom over a urinal. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm thinking, this is a twin mom thing. Like one day we'll laugh about this. But this is not the day. <laughs> of all the things for them to be fighting over. I know, over. of all the, not, a, not over a girl, not over a snack. They were fighting over a urinal. Also, like, boy mom <sighs> problems. Like, yes. I have one boy. It's my twin, and it's my first. Mm-hmm. So I've never done this boy mom thing before. Oh, wow. So this is going to be a bit of an adventure. Mm-hmm. And he's grossly outnumbered, um, which I think I'm grateful for because I know girls. Yeah. But, yeah, my husband, my husband's got it cut out for him to try to, like, step in and be the yeah. only boy in our house. Well, and even, and I know this probably goes without saying, and you probably talk about this with guests all the time, but parenting is one of the things in life that has pushed me to lean into Jesus mm-hmm. more than anything else. And both for wisdom and for grace, because I am always blowing it. You know, I get up in the morning, I do you know, quiet time, coffee, I got everything I need, pray for 30 minutes, right? you know, and then they come home and within 15 minutes, I've lost my temper with them. And I'm, and they're, they're pushing all of my buttons all. <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like I have one that I feel like he lives in timeout. <laughs> and he lives in timeout, and I only put him in timeout half the times that he deserves to be in timeout. <laughs> and I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. Like, God, how do I do this? And so it's this constant dependence on the Lord and just trusting him to be writing this story. And sometimes I see it and sometimes I don't. But it's just saying, okay, God, I'm trusting that you're writing a story in these kids' lives that somehow includes all of the stellar mom moments and all the epic mom fails, uh, that you're just using all of it because I believe your word says that you work all things together for good. Yes. And now, Laura, you have so much on your plate. So you have four kids, two of which are twins, and you have this successful music career. Now, is this a life you'd envision for yourself? Did you always know you wanted to be a mom and a musician? Oh, good grief, no. I did <laughs> I I always wanted to be a mom. So a little bit of our story, within the first, so I married my high school sweetheart, and within the within the first two years of our marriage, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. So that was, in our minds, we couldn't figure out because of his disability, because my husband being unable. So sorry. The tumor resulted. He had to have surgery, and both the effects of the tumor and the effects of the surgery. Um, he lives with a brain injury now. And it, so he's unable to work full-time. So in our minds, we thought, okay, he can't work full-time. He has this disability, um, which limits his vision. He's unable to drive, um, has a short-term memory deficit. So he's just a, a long list of things that he struggles with. Cognitively, he's great and relationally great, all of that. But we just assumed that car, that having kids was just kind of off the table for us. And probably five years 
after Martin's surgery, I think it was my mom was the first one that said something about it and just said, she said, you know, I would never pressure y'all into having kids, but do you guys ever want to have kids? And I remember remember saying to her, well, I just thought that we couldn't. (laughs) And a lot of that was because I knew... um, I knew I couldn't be this independent, self-sufficient mom or that my husband Martin couldn't be that kind of dad. I kind of thought if we ever had kids, we would just need people to help us. But the cool thing is, is that's exactly what happened. So mm-hmm. we began to have children, and, and that that in and of itself was like a miracle because medically it just was almost impossible but what we learned was it's not just Martin's disability that makes us need help as parents. It's just life. And, and God never created us to do all this alone. And so we've, we have a fantastic church. We have friends that we have great family. And then we have friends that are as close as family and that have poured into our kids' lives. And I step back and I look at our kids and who they are. Like I see my friends imprint in their lives. And I think, oh, I'm so thankful that it was Martin's disability that allowed our friends to come in and have that influence on our kids. Because, oh my gracious, they would be, they'd be so jacked up if it was just the two of us. (laughs) (laughs) It would take us about 15 minutes to teach them everything that we knew, you know. Uh, But it was so neat to see, I don't know, this, this is what it's supposed to look like. You know, it truly does take that community uh, and it takes the church coming coming alongside of you. And every f- great faith-based um, family that I know, they've learned that. And it's not that God uses all sorts of people to grow your children and, and the people that God wants them to be. Well, and it sounds like it wasn't just your children that went through that season of growth. I mean, you you say that, you know, music wasn't your vision, being a mom was. But for that five years, you had kind of made your peace with that as a dream that's never going to be realized. Was that an yes. easy thing to lay on the altar for you? Or? Not at all. Not at all. And, um, you know, we had looked into adoption, but because of Martin's disability, that wasn't an option because that's something that we had talked about a lot before even getting married. We just love this idea of of opening our home to, to people that need a home. So... I finally just came to the place of laying it down, and I remember exactly where I was. We were we were doing one of those like mu- music boat uh, cruise things. Anyway, Christian Christian cruise, and Martin had just kind of struggled a little whenever he's in different surroundings because of his memory deficit, uh, and so it would just been a couple days of of us having a really sweet time together. But because we were traveling, he needed me a little bit more than than he would when we were at home. And I remember standing there thinking, like, this this has been a really sweet, it's been a sweet week, sweet time with Martin and I. And I feel like the Lord was saying, if this is your family, will that be enough for you? And because I I think I, you know, you always ask when, you know, so do you have a family? Really, you're asking if you have kids. Yeah. But God was saying, if just the two of you, if that's going to be the family I have for you, will that be enough? And I just really came to the point of saying, yes, Lord, because Martin's just, what a sweet gift. And, and people ask, you know, what, what's, what's it been like walking through, you know, brain injury and disability and all of this? 
And it really is hard. But I also feel like in a lot of ways it's been an honor. And Martin has, you know, he has his moments, but for the most part has always resigned to like, you know, Lord, I surrender this life to you. If you, for whatever reason, are choosing to not heal me fully this side of heaven, then I trust you. And and things could be so much worse. I, I've talked to so many people just on the road who whose husbands have brain injury and brain injuries and they turn to alcohol and turn to whatever addiction and and so the fact that Martin has still continued to walk with the Lord is has just been amazing. So yeah, I really did have to come to peace with that. And the music thing was just this bizarre thing. Whenever something that was a hobby before <laughs> starts to kind of like take on a life of its own. And then to see that that's how the Lord wanted to provide for our family. It's like, man, only God could write a story like that. Mm-hmm. I love that. So you get married, this terrible accident happens, then you make peace with the thought that you're never going to have kids. And then all of a sudden, God drops music in your lap. Now, what came first for you guys? Was it the music or the kids? The music came first. So my first, right before Martin and I got married, I had written a song called Indescribable. Mm -hmm. And Chris Tomlin recorded it and just kind of began to get more singing opportunities, which I, I graduated with a degree in Bible. And really, Bible study has always been such a passion of mine. I think I thought I would do something ministry wise, mission field, whatever. So when God began to send my songs out rather than me, it was kind of an odd thing, but such a such a amazing thing. I grew up in a fantastic church that sang the old hymns. And when I was a kid, even when I wasn't paying attention to the sermon, I was learning about God through the songs. And the fact that he was allowing me to be part of this um you know, wealth of resources for, for people learning about God through music. I mean, literally, you know, worship songwriters were putting words in people's mouths and, and putting prayers in people's mouths. And so that was, it was just an unbelievable honor. And then right around the, that time, you know, Martin and I got married, and then five, six years of us going back and forth with this kid thing and me kind of feeling like things were slowing down music-wise. And I've, I've this whole time I've been on staff at a church called Perimeter Church. I'm celebrating, I guess, 16 years there now and and really love my job there. So to not be doing stuff on the road was fine with me. And so kind of I'll do one last album. And so the very last song that I recorded on the very last album that I was planning on doing with them was a song called Blessings. Yes. And... Wrote the song, finished the album, and right around that time, Martin and I got pregnant. And so I thought, this is perfect timing. So I can come off the road, have a baby, have like the normal life that I've seen all parents, you know, have. And that's not what happened at all. No. I I remember being, uh, I remember being like three months pregnant at the Grammys, uh, winning a Grammy. I, I remember that because I had I had never clearly never been to the Grammys before, didn't know anything about the Grammys. And I was in that stage of my pregnancy where I was just like ravenously hungry, 
constantly. So I brought this big purse with me to the Grammys, and I snuck in a foot-long sub. <laughs> yeah. It's the classiest thing I've ever heard yes. happening at the Grammys. Yes. Like, I know that people around me could, could like, smell the oregano. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought... Were you, like, eating it during the Grammys? Oh, yeah, you, definitely. Like, did you have, like, long sleeves and you're yeah, just, like, I, just I, taking a bite? No, I would, like, lean over like I was coughing, and I would <laughs> get it out of my purse and eat it. <laughs> Because I thought, I mean, let, let's be honest. I'm like this girl from small town South Carolina. I'm not actually going to win anything, but it's really cool that they've invited me. And But I, I'm i going to, like, I don't want to get too hangry here. Like, this is, it's like, you know, when you're, when you're pregnant and you're hungry and you're just like, you get the jitters, you feel sick, a morning sickness. I was like, I am bringing some food with me. Yeah, but Laura, see, when people do that, it's usually like trail mix or yeah. a cliff bar. No, 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 <laughs> you no, have no. a foot-long have sandwich a foot long in sub. your dress. It may have been a six-inch. I'm pretty oh, sure oh, it was. Well, then that's I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a foot-long, though. Yeah. I. Uh, so, yeah, I, I remember like, oh, my gracious, they just called my name. Is there lettuce in my teeth? Like, you know, <laughs> come on, pull it together, story. So, what was I even to? Oh, so <laughs> it was, and it was just too coincidental that I had this number one song at the same time I was pregnant, and I was excited because it was like when you know, when the Lord's using, He's using your gifts, and I, I was getting to go. Oh, I can't even tell you that first year after blessings came out, the ministry opportunities, the people I was meeting. Who would say things like, I went to the doctor, got diagnosed with cancer, got back in my car and heard blessings, Mm -hmm. and I knew that it was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Like, hearing a story. I still still get choked up even thinking about it because it was such a privilege to have that kind of opportunity to offer hope to someone. During my pregnancy, I remember just feeling really conflicted because I wanted to be a good mom, but I also just couldn't deny that God was taking me into this just amazing space of being able to minister to people on such a deep level. And then I had Josie, and I hit the road doing a tour probably two months later. And you know what? It was like, the best thing I had ever, like I, people would ask, and people were worried. They were like, oh, you know, I don't know about bringing a baby on a tour. And of course, I don't know anything different because I've always had my kids on the road with me. But it was like touring was something I always enjoyed. And then I brought a baby out with me and I enjoyed it 10 times more than I had enjoyed it before. Having her, I mean, she would sleep in my guitar case during sound check. <laughs> It was, I mean, even now she's sitting, you know, five feet from me. We've always done this together. We've always done it together. And I just think, you know, kind of to go back to that, you know, God's writing a story in the lives of my kids. And I, when I talk to them about God or when I talk to them about living on mission, I don't want them to think about it as something like, oh, when you get out of high school or college, then you could go be a missionary. It's no, no, no. We are always living on mission. Mm-hmm. When God calls you to go, 
you go and it's it's and I, I don't want that mission to be something that they think of as being apart from them or they're too young to be part of or they're not gifted the way mom is like mission is mission if God calls me to it he calls all of us to it and my husband's been super supportive so Martin traveled with me a ton before we had kids and right around the same time he realized I think he kind of had this realization that while he was at all these women's events with me his friends were at home watching football on Saturdays (laughs) so at some point in time he said hey I think I've been to enough women's events uh, to last me a lifetime I think I may stay (laughs) stay home for some so he still comes out with me some but he's been uh, he started coaching baseball again and it's it's been it's been great so you start exploding in music right at the same time as you are starting your family. Mm-hmm. And you had thought you'd had to give up music in order to have this family. But now now they're on the road with you. Are there opportunities that you have found that would not have happened if you hadn't taken that opportunity to take your kids out with you? Oh, absolutely. And even just, you know, and every everyone's kids... <laughs> everyone everyone's kids have their good days and bad days no matter where you are you can be in front of thousands of people and they can be having one of their bad days and, and that uh I've seen both minister to people mm-hmm. like I've had a woman pull me aside and say hey it really encouraged me that even Laura Story's kids um can throw a temper tantrum <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yep that's just life and there have been other moments, uh, I think about one thing that we did even, I don't know, a year ago up in northern Idaho, and I took Benjamin. Benjamin, who is my twin that I feel like he kind of resents being a, a twin because he, like he, he should have been born an only child. He likes all of my attention. He'll say, Mom, I want all of your attention. At least he owns it. Like he's yes, honest. He really he is. knows his mind. Yes. So I took, <laughs> it, was, it was his weekend to go with me. And he, he's just like my talkative one, never met a stranger. And I had someone come up to me afterwards. And I'm just, it's after one of my events. And I'm just assuming that they're going to say something about something that I said. No, it wasn't about me at all. (laughs) They said, your son came straight up to me, sat down and started talking to me and just made my day. Oh. And just gave me a hug, and it was. Uh, this is probably. I don't. You can edit this out if this is not kosher. But it was in the height of all the COVID stuff, and this was a older woman lived alone. Mm-hmm. She said I had not been touched by another individual in nine months, oh. like not hugged, not handshake, not any of it, which. You know, if, if you're living alone, quarantine, all of that. And my kids, they were not very good at social distancing <laughs> and probably shouldn't have. Yeah, but but Ben, who's just never met a stranger, just went up and hugged her. And it was it was one of those things that I had, you know, hey, buddy, you probably don't. Dial it Yeah, probably stranger dial, danger. Dial, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, but even things like that where seeing how the Lord – is is giving them opportunities to minister. And even right now, if I ask, you know, Josie's sitting right here, if I asked her, what, like, what are we doing? Why are we going to you this? You know what? Hey, Josie, come here for a second. Come here. 
<laughs> yeah, let's let's test this out. We're we're gonna see. We got what Go ahead. what what are we what do we do on the road? Why do we travel around? To tell people God loves them and show people God loves them. Yep. Good girl. That's exactly it. That's awesome. That is that is awesome. And even for them to to see, uh, it's not we don't go play concerts. Yeah, we play concerts, but that's not really not really why we do it. And that helps them also because I never want them to think of what we do as the thing that mommy does on stage. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I mean, golly, I struggle with that, thinking that that's the thing that I do. Nope. No, it starts with the very first cleaner that you meet on the way into the green room and how you treat that person. It's not just how eloquently I wax and wane from stage, blah, 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 <laughs> you know. Uh, but trying to to teach these kids that really all of life boils down to telling people God loves them, showing people God loves them. Well, I think there's something about that. There's something about living life honestly in front of our kids, mm. both those beautiful ministry moments like you're talking about. Yeah. Like I have an opportunity now to be working from home, from a home studio doing my thing. Oh, that's fantastic. And my girls... My older two, they love to sit in there and they love to just watch and oh, we promise we'll be so quiet. You know? <laughs> but it was something my six-year-old said one day that I hope to never forget. As I'm, you know, going through, I'm doing my little breaks, my quick little ministry hits, you know, doing doing the thing. And she goes, you know what, mom? You talk about Jesus a lot and I bet he loves listening to your show. Oh, wow. And I'm just like, because sometimes the sweetest thing in the world, uh, because, you know, when our kids can see that, because sometimes yeah. as women in public ministry, it's easy to perform and to be on and to go through yeah. those motions sometimes. But to have my child be like, mom, I bet Jesus loves listening to your show. And it's like, to that. but at the same time, it's. It's letting them see those difficulties and not just your kids, but the world. And so with blessings, you were honest. You were, Mm -hmm. you were honest about struggles you were going through. And I have to tell you, um, in it, you know, in addition to the podcast, I have these radio shows that I do and we do fundraising and almost every single fundraiser for every single station, there is a story about Laura Story's song, Blessings, and how it comes Mm. on right at the right moment. Every time they need to hear it, it brought them back to the Lord. It got them through this situation over here. And it it comes from that that place of, of being honest and of being real. And it it like you said, it took for you times of making peace with your circumstance, mm-hmm. unmet expectations. I'm sure yeah. you did not, little Laura did not grow up thinking this was going to be her life. Absolutely, yeah. Once you gave that to the Lord, once you made your peace, has it always been easy? Was it mm-hmm. always easier? Were there moments where you kind of still struggle? Yeah, that's a good question. Definitely moments of still struggling. And one of the things that was the hardest about I think the ministry God's called me to, I I grew up in a church, fantastic church, but we would have people get up and give their testimony. And their testimony was always, I was in this tough situation. I trusted in God and he lifted me up from the pit, you know, know, kind of like David in the Psalms, which you kind of have this blueprint in your mind of that that's what it looks like to give testimony to God's goodness. But then you get to real life and you're going, okay, how can I how can I speak of God's faithfulness when he hasn't 
fixed this. When my husband still has a brain injury, or for some people, you know, my marriage is, is still strained, or I have raised my kids in the church, and one of them is wandering off as a prodigal, they haven't returned, and, and all of these things we feel like disqualify us from ministry mm-hmm. or really from sharing our story. And But it, but it really is, it's the cracks in all of us. It's the cracks in all of our lives, and, and it's the, the open-endedness of all of our stories that that's where faith really intersects. And we say, okay, I don't, yeah, this ending isn't exactly what I expected. This ending isn't, like, I can't quite figure out what God is doing here, but I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to follow him and I'm going to worship him because even if I don't understand this certain aspect of my story, this certain aspect of my past, this certain health situation, family situation, uh, God is no less worthy of my praise. He is still the God of the scriptures, same yesterday, today, and forever. And even though my circumstances change, he does not, and his his worthiness of my praise that that doesn't change, even if I don't agree, maybe with his ways in a certain season. What would you say to that person who's listening, who's like, "That is great, and I want to get there, but I'm not there." Oh, Kali, the best thing about God is is you can be honest when you're not there, and and you can even this isn't going to make any sense at all. You can even be there when you're not there. Like you can, it's not about getting to a place of being okay. Because it's okay to not be okay. You just need to know who to run to when you're not okay. When you look at the Psalms and you look at David's authenticity, he, you know, Psalm 13 is one of my favorites because he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And I love, <laughs> I love that, not just that David was so honest, but you see what God prizes in his people by the fact that he even included that in the scriptures. Yeah. It wasn't like this accidental Facebook rant <laughs> that you're going, oh, should he really have shared that? You know, we've <laughs> all seen this. But he really, uh, God wants, he wants to encourage that kind of vulnerability. He said, it's a, I'm a big enough God. I can, I can take it when for you to say, I feel like you're hiding from me. I feel like you've deserted me. Uh, but the best thing about specifically that psalm uh, and and really, you know, walking by faith in general is that David doesn't end with how he feels. Those feelings are very legitimate. A lot of times we feel ashamed to admit that we're struggling. But God says, yeah, pour it out. I'm big enough. I can take it. But David doesn't end there. He says, I've trusted in your loving kindness and my heart will rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Mm. And it's saying, okay, I don't understand everything about this path that you're taking me on, but I do know that you are good. I can look back on my life and I see a track record of faithfulness, God. So I'm going to continue to trust you. And sometimes you can trust him by singing of his goodness, even when you're not feeling it. There's nothing inauthentic about that. You're just singing about the character of God and by believing something in our head, it can bring our hearts to a place of belief as well, as long as we just continue to feed ourselves from his word, continue to remind ourselves of what we know to be true. 
I know that's sorry that was a long answer, and I, I know no, it's not please. the person that's that's struggling is probably thinking, yeah, I keep, I keep on doing, it. I keep on believing in it, but that's all any of us can do. The, the the solace, the comfort in all of this is knowing, even though we may not change that hard thing, he will never desert you in the midst of it. He is with you, one hundred percent of the time, and sometimes. Just his nearness is is enough to bring me comfort. Laura, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Summer, for, this has been so sweet. Thank you for your transparency and your honesty and your vulnerability and your willingness to go there, your willingness to share and take others along for the ride. Mm. And we've seen that in your ministry. And we've seen that today. And I just I want to thank you for making the time. Well, bless your heart. This has been such a sweet time. And, and yeah, I pray... I pray for these ladies that they would know that hope, that the hope that they find wouldn't be hoping in God changing their circumstances, that it would simply be hoping in God. And I believe that they'll find that that is enough to rest their souls in. Maybe your life has not gone the way that you were hoping it would. It doesn't match the picture that you had painted for yourself. God has taken you on a ride. And maybe he's thrilled you. He's taken you in directions you never would have taken yourself. And you're just like, yes, God. Maybe you have found yourself time and time again devastated by circumstances you never would have chosen for yourself. I want you to know, even in those times, he is right there with you. And when life doesn't match up with our expectations, for better or worse, that is challenging. And there may be some mourning that needs to happen before you can officially move on. I hope you found courage this week and hope listening to Laura's story of how God took her in one direction and then another that was so different from where she thought she was headed. And he can and and will do the same for you if you let him. He loves you and the Bible tells us that he is working out all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. But if in the midst of that season, you need someone to talk to, you wanna connect with others, find us on Facebook, search for No Seriously, how do I do this at facebook.com or shoot me an email, summer at seriouslyhow.com. And as always, remember that you are loved and you are not alone.